And now, friends, if you have your Bibles, please turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. The Gospel of Luke, and I said chapter 4, rather chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4, if you would. So, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. And we'll be looking again this morning at verses 1 through 4. Now, as you know, uh, as I said last week, it's amazing how God's providential timing seems to have us in passages of Scripture. Uh, it's such an, uh, an important season, and the timing is just amazing. Uh, last week I made that reference because as we started this year, uh, this month has been set aside as a month of prayer in our congregation. I'd like to remind you that out on the website we have the uh, prayer guides for every day of the uh, month, and I hope that you'll look at those. We are focusing and reminding ourselves of the need of prayer. But as we had that focus, God brought us in our study through the Gospel of Luke to this passage in Luke chapter 4, where the Lord gives such wonderful teaching to us regarding prayer. But not only did he bring us to this passage as we have this month of prayer here in our church, but also he brought us this passage. Uh, and it is so timely for us in light of the events of the last several days in our nation, uh, what we uh, have experienced and are experiencing, uh, how important prayer is for our nation at this time our leaders, how important prayer is for our own hearts on how we should interpret, how we should understand, and maybe even more importantly, how we should respond to the things that we are seeing and experiencing in our country. So this is a, a perfect time for us to be in this passage of Scripture. And so if you would turn now again to... Luke chapter 11, where the Lord has been asked a very timely question. You'll notice in verse 1 that one of his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray, even as John taught his disciples. And that was a very timely question because the disciples wanted to know how to pray. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't already pray and didn't know how to pray as they had been taught, but they had seen that Jesus' prayer life was so different. And they wanted to pray as he prayed. And so we are looking at this passage of Scripture under this heading, Praying Like the King. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. He's not teaching what might be called and has been called the Lord's Prayer, really it's the disciples' prayer. He's teaching us how to pray. He's not teaching us every single word, but he's teaching us the basic underlying principles that should be foundation to our prayer life. Now, just quickly by way of review from what we saw last week, you see that Jesus gave a real treasure to his disciples then and to us now because as not only he gave this pattern of prayer, he gave this promise to us about prayer. And the promise 
is really this, that our God delights in our prayers. <laughs> our God delights in our prayers. He is not someone who is bothered by our prayers. He's never too busy. He delights in our prayers. Jesus is teaching us this. And he says that our Father desires us to pray, that it is one of the great desires of his holy, infinite heart that his children talk with him. All this is being revealed by the Lord Jesus to his disciples then and by his Spirit to each of us now about our own prayer lives. Now, Jesus revealed some things about what should be foundational in our prayer life. And remember just these two things quickly from last week. We saw, first of all, in verse 1, that Jesus taught that as we pray, we should enter into the presence of our Father. That when we pray, when you pray, you enter into the presence of your Father. And remember that. Jesus said in verse number 2, When you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, Father. And again, what an amazing revelation that is. It is, it's unprecedented what Jesus is saying here. He is telling us that we can refer to eternal God of all creation as Father. And again, the word is an intimate word. It's a word for dad, or some might even say daddy. It is a family name. And so the Lord is teaching us that when we pray... We have this unprecedented privilege of coming into the presence of God and referring to Him as Father. And we also notice that this is an unimaginable reality. Now friends, this is a reality. To say that God is our Father... For us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is an unimaginable reality. It's unimaginable, but it is reality. Even as John the Apostle wrote in 1 John 3 verse 1, See the kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. That disciple, John, never lost the wonder of it all to be a child of God, and may we never lose it either. To be a child of God. When you come into the presence of God, Jesus is saying, He is your Father. You are His child. What an awesome privilege. Amazing. And we are invited to come. It's an amazing invitation we, we don't have to beg to be able to come and plead to be able to come. We are invited to come. When we pray, we need to remember it's Jesus himself who opened the door. It is Jesus who paid the price for our sins and tore away all the barrier of sin. When we have faith and trust in him, the door is open. He has opened the door. He himself is the door. We enter into God's presence in the name of Jesus, meaning 
in the authority of who He is based on what He has done for us and based on His provision for us and His promises, we come into the presence of God. We are invited to come through the door who is Jesus. And He invites us to come in to the presence of the Father. Now friends, we need to take time to meditate on that word Father, don't we? And think of the incredible privilege that is ours to be children of God. Now the second encouragement that Jesus gave about prayer, He said when you come into the presence of God, call Him Father. And then He said this, verse 2, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. The second truth that undergirds our prayer lives, brothers and sisters, is that in prayer we are to extol the Father. We are to extol the Father. We saw last week that word extol means to exalt in praise. He said... Say to your Lord, Father, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. When we come into prayer, the first thing that should be on our minds is the praise of our Heavenly Father. The praise His name. The greatest thing that we can do and the most important thing we ever do in prayer is to praise our God. The praise of God is the highest purpose of any language. You know, sometimes we use our language in ways we should not. (laughs) Sometimes it's not very beneficial. But when you use your language to pray, that's the highest, highest privilege. It's the highest purpose and privilege of our language, of our life. Our life is to be for the praise of God. And it's the highest purpose of all of our learning is to know more about God. So when we think about prayer, we begin by slowing down a little bit, don't we? And thinking about who we are talking to, our Father, who is in heaven, and His name is hallowed. We come into the presence of our Heavenly Father and we come into His presence first and foremost to praise His name. And now notice two other things that would be a crucial part of our prayer life that Jesus shares here. We are to enter the presence of our Father. We are to extol the praise of our Father. But in prayer, Jesus says we are to embrace the purposes of our Father. We're to embrace the purposes of our Father. Now here's a newsflash. A newsflash maybe for some of us. Prayer is not about just spending a few minutes in heaven. Or spending a few moments in heaven. Prayer is more than that. Prayer is about seeing our Father's work and His will carried out on earth. You see, our God is God of heaven and earth. 
And God taught us to bring heaven and earth together in our prayers because our God is the God of heaven and earth. We call Him Father. We exalt His name. And then we embrace His purposes. Look at verse 2. Hallowed be your name, Father. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now notice that. He says, when you pray, pray, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now what is Jesus teaching us about that? He's saying that we have this promise to enter our Father's presence in heaven. But we are here on earth. And as we enter His presence, while we're here on earth, we enter His presence in the Spirit. We call Him Father. We exalt Him for who He is. But then on earth, we talk to the God of the universe about His purposes in our life. And His purposes in this world. You see, God, listen carefully... God wants heaven and earth connected in our hearts and in our lives. And the way he does that is through prayer. It's through prayer that God brings the exaltation and praise of him. The reverence and the joy of knowing him as father. But he brings all of that glory down For us to consider and embrace His purposes on this earth, in our lives, and in His mission. That happens in prayer. And Jesus wrapped all that up in saying, pray this, your kingdom come. See, that's a model for us, friends. It doesn't mean that we just say your kingdom come. Though it's fine to say that, it's fine to pray this prayer. Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say here. But understand when Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, he didn't mean just say the words, your kingdom come. What do we learn about God and his purposes when we pray about his kingdom? Well, first of all, when we pray about his kingdom coming, we're praying in anticipation. Because when he says, pray your kingdom come, that's a word of anticipation. Thank God the king is coming, right? He's coming. And we can pray for his coming, about his coming. As a matter of fact, the last prayer in the Bible, do you know what the last prayer in the Bible is? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And friends, I want to tell you, I'm sure that's gone up in our nation hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of times this week. Oh, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. So when we pray about the Lord's coming, we're praying in anticipation. Praying for the Lord's kingdom to come as a constant reminder that the King is coming. And throughout the Bible, we are told to live our lives in anticipation of His coming. That He can come at any moment 
And he will come bringing vindication and bringing victory and bringing peace. And we live in the light of that. And that happens in prayer. People who don't pray to the king don't look forward to his coming very much. So we pray in anticipation. When we pray, your kingdom come. But now notice, when we pray about his kingdom coming, we're not just praying for the king to come because what do we learn in the Bible? The Lord has a kingdom on this earth. The kingdom is not just up in heaven with the king. The king is present on this earth. He is present in the hearts of his people. He is ever present in this world. He is at work everywhere. He is the Lord of all the nations of the earth. He is the king. And he is carrying out his purposes. And so when we pray for his kingdom to come, it means we are entering into his purposes. That we are willing to be a part of participating in his purposes. You see, if we pray for the kingdom to be expanded, if we pray for God's kingdom to go forth, and if the king is living in us and we are part of his kingdom, that means that we are participants. We're not just observers. We are participants. The kingdom is the rule and reign of the king. The kingdom means that the the work of the king is being done. It means his purposes are being carried out. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, we're saying, and we should be saying in prayer, Lord, help me to get in on what you are up to. (laughs) And I've never forgotten a dear brother that I heard pray that many years ago, member of our church, now the Lord, Rusty Sherwood, I heard him pray many times, Lord, we want to get in on what you are up to. That's praying kingdom purposes. We are praying about the purposes of the king. We are pledging to surrender our life to those purposes. You see, if the kingdom of God is within us, if the kingdom, the king lives within us, To pray your kingdom come does not just mean King Jesus come back, but it means King Jesus rule in my life. May I be surrendered, rule and take control of my life. To pray your kingdom come is a prayer of the surrender of our will to the Lord. You see, friends, listen carefully. The kingdom comes... When people obey the king. That's when the kingdom comes. In reality and presence and power. The king comes and the kingdom comes when people obey the king. And so by obeying his words. As we pray your kingdom come. We should be praying Lord help me to surrender my will to your purposes. Help me to surrender to what you want done. Help me to obey your word. That's the reason, friends, listen carefully. Prayer and the word should always go together. Because as you're talking to the king, 
You want to be listening to the king. You want to be reading what the king is saying. And so prayer and the word always go together. We don't want to think that, well, I pray, but I don't read the Bible much. Well, I read the Bible, but I don't pray, pray much. No, they need to go together. Prayer and the word, because the king's will is revealed in his word, and we are to obey it. Friends, I have seen miracles. I have seen people make the greatest discoveries that have transformed their lives through prayer and the Word. As they asked God to show the way, as they surrendered their heart, as they read the Bible, the King guided them in His will. He began to change their lives. And the greatest and most delightful things I have seen happen over the years to people who pray and read the Bible in order to do the will of God. But my friends, I want you to listen carefully. I have also over the years seen the greatest disasters from people who pray about something, but they don't read the Word of God. Because you can pray about something that God has already answered. You don't have to pray about something if God has already given directions about it. You might not be aware of it. But once you become aware of what needs to be done, what He asks you to do, then you don't really have to pray about what you should do. It's revealed in the Word of God. I've absolutely been aghast at times of what people have told me that they have prayed about and they've gotten peace about that is completely contrary to this book. My friend, listen carefully. That's not the voice of God, that's the voice of the devil. Anything, any voice, whether it's in your own mind or whether it's coming as a temptation from the devil, praying about something and yet not submitting to the will of God is the worst form of self-deception. We need in prayer to ask God to help us do His will. You see, there are some things that are secret. The Bible says in De Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God. But the things that are revealed are for us, and for our children, that we may do all the Word. Did you hear that? There are secret purposes of God that belong only to Him. Only He knows what He is doing and His purposes. But there are things that have been revealed, God's purposes. Now they are for us and for our children that we may do all the Word of the law. That's where prayer and the Word comes together. There are so many things, friends, we don't have to pray about concerning the will of God. It's already revealed in His Word. We just need to pray for strength to do it. We need to pray for the grace to obey it. Now, when we think about God's purposes question I had on my mind as I was preparing this message 
Is there a central theme to God's purposes? God has so many purposes and we are we're to embrace his purposes. But is there a central theme? And you know, as I began to think about that and meditate on that and consider the word of God, what is the central purpose of God regarding this earth and all of us who live upon it? And I believe I have an insight that's been helpful to me in this. The central purpose of God in many ways is this focus of peace. God is the God of peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. He's the God of peace. And when God said... All that he created was very good. You know what it means? It was peaceful. Everything was as it should be. Everything was good until it became not good. How did it become not good? By sin. And the curse of sin which came upon our ancient parents, Adam and Eve. And the curse fell upon the creation over which they were given stewardship. And the curse of sin is passed down to Adam's race. But God is sovereign. And God was not caught off guard because God is the God of peace. And He has a plan to bring His peace. How does He do that? Well, there's got to be peace from God. <laughs> And God is the God who's brought us peace. He's made way that we can come back to Him through repentance and faith and through His Son, Jesus Christ, who would come and has come now to be the Lamb of God. He is the peace. He made peace through the blood of His cross. There's peace. Peace from God. And now if you have faith in Christ, you can have peace with God. What's the purpose of God? That sinners might have peace with God. They might be justified by faith and have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the God of peace. He wants us to have peace from Him, peace with Him. He wants us to have the peace of God in our hearts. And He wants that peace to flow through us to the world. You see, God has determined for us, listen carefully, brothers and sisters, He has determined that we will be on mission with Him, and that mission is about peace. The peace of God. To pray your kingdom come is to, if it's prayed with a right heart, to pray your kingdom come is to embrace the fact, Lord, you are the God of peace and you have brought peace to me. You've made peace with me. I have peace with you. I have the peace of God in my heart. Now, Lord, I need to be devoted to being a person of peace. Our prayer needs to be the prayer like St. Francis, who 
who lived over 800 years ago. And if you received a letter, I sent this past Thursday morning to the church family, all those who are on our mailing list regarding the events in our capital and our response. I quoted from this prayer of Francis. Listen to it again. Listen to it in light of your kingdom come. How do I embrace the king's purposes? How do I be a part of seeing those purposes carried out? Carried out. Here's what Francis prayed. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Friends, I must ask you, as I have tried to ask myself over these last many days, and this is a time for self-examination. It is a time not to speak quickly, but to think deeply. To think about our own heart. And I have thought, how much of my focus in the midst of a world in turmoil has been to be an instrument of His peace? How many of my conversations have been about bringing peace not fostering division. Not dividing unnecessarily. Not disturbing people's minds. How many of my conversations have been about peace? Friends, I could challenge us. What if we took this prayer and measured every one of our media posts against it. What if in the midst of this turmoil, we determined that every single public communication we make, whether by our words, whether by our emails, whether by our social media, we will determine that They are part of the kingdom coming. That they are instruments of peace. 
This is a time not to point fingers. This is a time for us to first go to our knees and recognize the power of words. It is the time to be reminded of why we are on this earth and why we exist and what winning really is. Winning is knowing and doing the will of God, which is to love Him and love our neighbor as ourself and to be instruments of His peace. That is winning. And to live any other way as a Christian is losing. When we pray, let your kingdom come. It needs to come to my heart. It needs to flow from my heart. It needs to be my life's work to expand the kingdom. Let it happen in me today. It's in prayer that we engage ourselves in God's great concerns. And what is God's great concern? God's great concern is peace. Peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace through the Prince of Peace. Who will reign and rule in the hearts of all who will surrender by faith to Him. And then they too will become instruments of His peace. What is His kingdom come? What does that mean? It means that the most important steps in prayer may be the first steps that I take when I get off my knees. How can I be a part of God's kingdom expanding? The final thing I just show you here is that the Lord not only tells us to embrace our Father's purposes, but to also express our own petitions to the Father. Now, isn't this interesting? The Lord taught us to pray, and He started with praise. He started with the privilege of knowing God as Father and praising Him for His holiness. And then He brought heaven and earth down to our own hearts through prayer so that we might be about God's kingdom purposes. But now notice the Lord Jesus closes the circle. He said, I want you to know that in prayer you are invited to express your petitions to your Father. To express your petitions to your Father. Look at verses 3 and 4. Jesus said, pray this. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Now Jesus said, he's encouraging us. Bring your petitions to the Father. Now, petition is another word. It's a little bit out of, out of date, but you know it's never out of season. <laughs> we need to know what it means. So many times when we hear the word petition in our culture, we think it has political connotations. 
or we may hear it as a legal connotation where someone brings something to the court, makes a plea to the court. That is a petition. But the root meaning of the word petition is a request. And it means a specific request. You petition the Lord, not when you say, Lord, just bless everybody. Bless all the missionaries and bless all everybody everywhere. That's not a petition. A petition is a specific request. A request for what? What does Jesus say we can specifically request? The answer is anything. Anything. Because, friends, listen. Anything that concerns you concerns your Father. Remember? Go back to point one. God is your Father. And if something concerns you, it concerns your Father. And so you can talk to Him about it. And He encourages you. Bring all your specific requests. And now notice the Lord breaks them down in three categories. And I'm just going to give you these three categories. He says that you can bring your requests about your need of provision. Whatever you need for provision. Give us each day our daily bread. What does that mean? Lord, provide for our needs for this day. Provide for our needs, whatever that might be. It doesn't just mean food. But the necessities of life. Anything that is needed for you, your family, loved ones, other people that are on your heart. You can bring to the Lord your provisions. Also you can bring to the Lord, not only your need of provision, you bring to the Lord your need of pardon. Don't we need that daily too? Not just daily bread, but daily pardon, right? Notice what the Lord says. Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who was indebted to us. What does that mean? That means, Lord, you know what I've done. It's come to my mind. This issue, this situation, this word, this spirit that I've had. Pardon me, Lord. And... Do this even as I forgive all who are indebted to me. Now, that makes it very personal, doesn't it? You see, we have been forgiven so we can forgive others. How can you forgive others? Because they deserve it? No, I didn't deserve to be forgiven, did you? Do you forgive someone because they've pleaded and pleaded and pleaded with you long enough? No. On what basis do we forgive people? Because we have been forgiven. The Bible says in Ephesians, Be tender-hearted and forgive one another even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. We release people. And we forgive them because the Lord has forgiven us. My friend, the reason so many Christians are just so, so repressed in their joy and repressed in their freedom is because 
there are people they've not forgiven. I have a question for you this morning, brother or sister. Will you do it? Will you do it? In freeing someone else does not mean you agree with them. What they did was wrong, perhaps. What they said was wrong. It could be terrible, terrible. But to forgive means to release. On what basis? On the basis that you have been forgiven. I have never had anyone do to me what I, through my sin, did to the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus can forgive me, He can forgive you, we can choose to forgive. And you say, but it keeps coming back to my mind. Well, then use it as a way of worship and say, I forgive. You say, well, the devil keeps using it against me. The devil keeps using it and bringing it back to my mind. Then keep using it against the devil. Just say, thank you, devil, for reminding me that the Lord saved me and I've forgiven that person. Use the old devil's tactics. (laughs) Release people. Will you do it? Will you do it? When you release others, you release yourself. And the last thing we need to pray for is to pray for our protection. He said, and pray this, lead us not into temptation. Now that's a strange statement. Because we know the Lord is not evil. And the Lord cannot tempt anybody with evil. The God is not able to tempt people with evil. Because he is light and in him is no darkness at all. So why does Jesus say that we should pray. Lead us not into temptation. If the Lord doesn't tempt people. Why should we talk to the Lord about it? Because what is inherent here is a confession. It's a confession of how prone we are to temptation. It's a confession of how weak we are. It's a confession of how easily we go astray. And we desperately need the presence and the strength of God. We need His grace. Without Him, we cannot do it. We will fall. And so we pray for God to be our help. To be our strength. To be very present in the time of our trouble. That's the warfare. You see, bigger than the warfare around us, friends. (laughs) And there is spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is all around this world. At all levels. Spiritual warfare exists. But spiritual warfare also rages within our own hearts and minds, doesn't it? And we need to say, Lord, help me that I do not go away into temptation. You know, this holiday season, there's been so much turmoil. So much has world around us through the pandemic, through the economic crises that we've seen, through the political crises that we've experienced. In the middle of all this, we had our holiday season preceding 
the events of this week. But as I was trying to stay focused on the Lord during this holiday season, I kept thinking about what the angels sang. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men. Peace. Peace. Peace is a gift of God's love. Peace comes from the Prince of Peace. Peace cannot be taken from me. Jesus said, I leave my peace with you. It cannot be taken. We can have the peace of God. But then here comes the question that's been on my mind. Will I be an instrument of his peace? There was a song that kept going through my mind. It's not a carol. It's not a hymn. We hear it mostly at Christmas time. But it helped me to bring together the great plan of God and my own responsibility. It's the song that says this. Let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth. Let it begin with me. Dear friend, listen. This world needs peace. This world in turmoil needs people of peace. And in the midst of all the anxiety and the anger Trust me, people who are people of peace are going to shine like lights in the darkness. Let there be peace on earth. Let it begin with me. Doug's going to sing this. I hope maybe you'll enter into it. Again, it's not a hymn, it's not a carol, but I think it helps us to think about Lord, we need peace. But let it begin with me in my world from my life. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin that was meant to be with God as our Father brothers all are we let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony Let this be the moment now. With every step I take, let this.
friends, thank you for being part of this service. I trust that God, by His Spirit, has spoken peace into your heart. The Lord Jesus has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound, a healthy mind. Jesus still speaks to us. My peace I give you. My peace I leave with you, not as the world leaves it. He's given us peace. In His presence, there is perfect peace. And in our hearts, there can be peace. Yes, we'll know fear, we'll know anger, we'll feel conflicted at times, but we have the ability by the Spirit of God to choose to dwell in the presence of the Lord who is our shalom, our peace. And then, in word and in deed, in email, in media, to be instruments of His peace. And that is the great witness that we have. Lord, give us grace in a time when there seems, it seems there is no peace. To dwell in peace in your presence, in the secret place of the Most High God. May we dwell in that peaceful, wonderful presence of worship. And now, Lord, give us grace today and every single day to believe that you have us on earth to be instruments of your peace. And may we be obedient to this calling in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.